to the podcast of St Barnabas Bible School. I'm sure in uh, in the future we'll have a really catchy title for this podcast, but uh, we don't have one yet. So for the for the moment, it is uh, the podcast of St Barnabas Bible School uh, here in Larnaca, and welcome to our very first episode. And I've got uh, Zach with me here. Hello. We hope to put out this podcast every three-ish weeks. Uh, we'll try and aim for three, but sometimes Christmas might get in the way or, or something like that, and it won't be exactly three weeks. And usually we'll discuss things around uh, topics of upcoming conferences um, or conferences that have just passed, and hopefully occasionally we'll have some interviews as well. Uh, but the aim of it all really is to give you a little bit of, a little bit of something interesting to chew over. Uh, as you think through what the Bible has to say um, about various topics, that's in line with with our aim generally as St Barnabas Bible School to help you think through things theologically, um, think through things biblically. So that's what we we hope to do with the podcast as well. We are both podcast novices, so excuse the uh, the squeaky chairs in the background and the sound of buses in the uh, in the background as well. Hopefully, they won't come through too clearly, but. Can't guarantee that a motorbike won't drive past at a crucial moment. Such things happen. They do. Great. So, Zach, we've got a conference coming up. Yes. What's it about? Well, um, we decided that for our first conference here, I think that something that we all need to be aware of and also to be more developed in our thinking about is uh, the church itself, who we are as the church. Uh, what does the church's worship mean? What are we doing when we worship? What are we doing when we act, function, and um, basically live as the body of Christ? So it's uh, the, the topic of the conference is the household of God or the God's house, God's dwelling place. And there are different ways you can take that. We can think of that as the community of believers. And we can think of that as the place where God himself dwells. That is where his presence is uh, specifically and uh, especially known uh, in the, as the church worships him. So we're going to think about the nature of worship. Uh, and the nature of the church itself, that will be the topic of our first conference, which is coming up um, next Saturday, which will be the 11th of November at um, uh, at 10 o'clock. We will be 10 o'clock. We start yeah, yes. 10 o'clock at, uh, at uh, GEC in yes. Lanaka. Um, yes. I'm just going to take an opportunity to plug that conference. If you've if you've not got uh, booked up for that yet and you, you'd like to come, uh, go to our, our website. That's uh www.stbarnabasbibleschool.org and there's all the information there for um, for signing up to the conference along with a bit, bit more information um, lunch is provided as is childcare uh, so really there's no downsides uh, come along I uh, would love to have you uh, so you've mentioned a little bit there about uh, what we're going to consider why have we why have we picked the church well, I th- to discuss. Well, I think first of all, just in itself, it's an extremely important subject. It's something that uh, all of us need to understand as a matter of practical importance. I mean, we meet as the people of God uh, once a week. We have our weekly worships, worship sessions, but we also understand that it's much more than that. Uh, it's a community acting and living and reflecting the glory of Christ to the world. And we want to understand what that means on a deep level. I do think not only in itself, but also because of um, 
I would say, quite widespread misunderstandings about what the church actually is. What's what's the biggest misunderstanding that you see? I, I guess I think that would depend upon the community yeah. uh, in which we are. Uh, different levels of, I think, different branches of Christianity have different tendencies, and I think that uh, the tendency of people in a more liturgical high church community would be just to think that automatically by going to church, this is doing something without any sort of personal involvement, without any sort of personal commitment mm-hmm. uh, that this mm-hmm. is benefiting you. But uh, in more low church circumstances, I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes is to think that the church is sort of an unnecessary appendage, which may be helpful to us. It may help us grow, but what really matters is our personal relationship with Jesus. And I think in a low church sort of... You mean a sort of a, a, an individualistic sort of atomized yes, sense? Yes, yes. This is, this is quite common in Protestant evangelical circles, I think, this notion of the church being simply uh, an optional uh, sort of appendage to our spiritual lives, which it may be helpful, uh, and it's always good to see other believers, but really not necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think in those circles, there is that uh, misunderstanding and I think it's a misunderstanding that has very uh, important practical consequences as well. Um, and I think it's never a good thing when you view um, not only the meeting of the church, but living as the church as something optional, as something that is sort of a, an addendum to our spiritual lives. And it feeds into the sort of individualistic culture, which is so prominent in the Western uh, world. Mm-hmm. And I think in that way, it feeds off that without even realizing it. I think people are not quite grasping both the necessity and the value of living as the church and worshiping as the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like I said, there are different ways that we can misunderstand what the church is. Yep. And I think that in many ways depends upon the tradition from which we come because uh, every tradition has its own sorts of peculiarities and its own sorts of ways where it can go awry um, in different ways. And I think in our circles, one of the ways we tend to go awry is to focus on this sort of individualistic spiritual life where I think the most important thing is me and my relationship with Christ and it kind of ignores the yeah, yeah. the wider implications uh, of that. And even even if the church is acknowledged in that situation, it's sort of this, um, I mean, invisible church. It has nothing to do whatsoever with the institutional church, with 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 uh, an actual visible, uh, organized group of people doing a particular thing together. Um, I mean, historically, you have issues, the opposite, and, and still in, in some circles, the opposite issue where the only thing is the institutional church. But then you, you sort of see a swing in some circles, the opposite direction that, you know, I can be part, I'm part of the church, but actually in my in my weekly life, that doesn't visibly look like anything in history. It doesn't look like anything in practicality because I never actually meet with the people or go and do anything with them or... or uh, have any sort of accountability to a, a local group of, of believers in any sense. Absolutely. And I think what you mentioned about institutions is extremely important because there is a, um, in our world within the last 50, 60 
even 70 years, I think there has been a growing suspicion towards institutions because mm-hmm. of their claims to power and authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, institutions are built on the fact of uh, having a, a central sort of authority. That's kind of its essence. And I think there is a real pushback against that. And its, it's roots are earlier than that. But I think that because of that, people are highly suspicious, without even realizing it in many ways, highly suspicious of institutions. And also because the church has, and we have to be honest about this, has not the church in general, but certain aspects at certain times have abused that power, whether it's with the sacramental power that the church had or simply by covering up sin or, or by having the spiritual authority that it's had. There have been serious mistakes done in branches and at times of the church. And I think one thing we have to remember it's important to realize this. Wherever there are institutions, there will be people who abuse that power. It doesn't simply happen in the church. No, it doesn't. It, and, 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 and really, uh, it, we have a, a higher level of scrutiny for the church and therefore more likely to see it when it happens, uh, which, is, which is right, which is fitting. The church is, uh, is the household of the living God and therefore is held to a high standard. However, it's very easy, I think, for us to go, Ah, these people in the church have sinned in the past. Therefore, you know, it's worse in the church. And the church is, is a particular hotbed of people covering up sin, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but, but really, I mean, when was the last time we looked at all of the uh, businesses in the business world? I mean, you look at some, I mean, look at Hollywood. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's worse there than in the church. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's a great point, which shows that it, in an interesting way, it shows still the Christian influence in the society. Even people who hate the church expect more of the church, and rightly so, and therefore are very keen to point out the hypocrisy within the church uh, when they don't do or don't use the same rubric or standard for, let's say, the family or, let's say, the educational institutions or you mentioned businesses where there's a horrible practices going on and horrible abuses of power. No one says, therefore, let us do away with business. No one says, therefore, let us do away with the family or let us do with schools because people have misused their their authority within that. But the church is held to a higher standard. Like you said, there's a certain rightness to that. But I think we need to be also honest about how there is a double standard and how uh, we cannot simply say because people have abused something that its right use, its right use is therefore negated. I think that's an important sh- point. Should we, should we be surprised if there are sinners in the church? Absolutely not. No, of course not. No, no, no one's ever claimed that the church was perfect. And the church has, obviously, uh, people within the church have made grave and serious abuses of power. And that's something that we need to acknowledge and to correct. And, but, but just because that is true, it certainly does not negate its right use or its value mm-hmm. to throw out the importance and value of something simply because people have misused and abused it uh, is uh, it's an exercise in absolute futility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach, I can I can go on a Sunday onto the internet and I can find a preacher that you know is talking about something I'm really interested in, who I really like. Um, it's a bit of an effort to get out of bed. I've got kids. So it's a bit, a bit of an effort to get them all sorted and ready to come to church. Why should I bother? Why should why should I bother coming on a Sunday instead of just listening to a sermon online? That's an interesting question. That really is a really modern question, of course, because 
only within, uh, really within the last, you know, in terms of live broadcasting, readily accessible to everyone. It's really since COVID, three years, really, yeah, yeah. That, that these sorts of questions have had to be, have been answered, and that in itself should cause us to be suspicious. I think of that sort of mentality. Um, I think again, our world betrays us in this respect by by teaching us implicitly to think that the things that come after are always better, more advanced, more uh, useful than the things before. I, I think because of the advance of technology, we can actually be deceived into thinking that whatever is happening now is actually more important than what was happening before. And so the fact that because of COVID and because of other factors uh, and the, the readily the ready, readily accessible uh, nature of these broadcasts, um, that this must be the new wave and this is where we're going and this is kind of where the church must go. So I think very, from the very, just from a preliminary standpoint, uh, asking whether something is right that's only been done for three years is, uh, we must exercise serious caution just on an abstract level there without even examining the contents of what this is. But secondly, I think, Specifically and concretely, there are serious objections to this um, mentality that I can get the same thing out of listening to something uh, that, I, that, that I could by actually being there with physical presence. And I think it basically misunderstands what worship is. Um, I think that in... But, but even before the sort of rise of internet sermons and that kind of thing, I mean, you had people saying, God is everywhere. Hmm. Why do I need to come to a particular place and meet with particular people to worship God? I can pray by myself. I can do all of the elements of spirituality all by myself. You know, so it's a slightly longer problem, isn't it? I think it's a. Oh yeah, you're right in that it's a modern problem in that it's come out of a modernist view of what it means to be human and and and, and what living in history means and living as a people means. But it's perhaps got. No, we've seen we've seen a, a, an increase in it in the last three four years with the prevalence of online uh, online sermons with COVID, um, but I think that probably brought out something that was, I mean, it was growing already. Most definitely, yes. And I think I think one of the problems with these last three years brought out is that you can almost have a halfway point there. Uh -huh. um, where people who may not be comfortable in their own closets or worshiping by themselves, they're at least getting something from someone else. And if they don't like it, they can go to someone else. Mm -hmm. So th that's, mm -hmm. that's another issue and that's a real problem. So I think th this, this sort of mentality is actually can be, can be even more widespread because it does have this sort of halfway point. But you're absolutely right about the general issue. I mean, God is everywhere. This is this is a fact that's known in the Old Testament, and yet it was still important in the Old Testament to have a central place for worship, where God is specially and specifically present. First in the um, the uh, the Ark of the uh, the Ark of the, the Tent of Witness, uh, and then in the Temple itself. Of course, this was extremely significant, and no one in the Old Testament is going to say that God is absolutely limited to that place. In fact, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 66, the first verse, it's saying that, you know, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. You're making me a place of rest. Speaking of the temple, um, that I'm everywhere. I don't need that. I cannot be contained. The highest of heaven. Solomon himself, when he's dedicating the temple, says the highest of heavens cannot contain God. There, there is a, There is an absolute clear teaching in the Old Testament that God is not contained within the temple. And yet, at the same time, the temple was necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the New uh, and not just necessary, but a real privilege. Absolute you privilege. Know, uh, God yes. doesn't just say, well, I'm generally everywhere. He says, come here and I'll meet you specially. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, so it's 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 not even it's it's not even that the temple was just necessary, but the temple was a real blessing, a real privilege. Uh, the temple and, and the tabernacle before it, and, and the but but the promise of God being specially present and His people gathering together, you know that that's a great thing. And, and we're taught, I think, throughout the throughout the Old Testament and and the New Testament to be to see that as as one of the real blessings um, that we get to share in as God's people. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's so easy for us to spiritualize, but when we read the Psalms, they're all talking about going to Zion. I mean, they're in in there towards the end of the Psalter. Uh, I think it's one twenty to one thirty four. You have the Psalms of ascent, uh, which are all about ascending to Zion for the privilege of worshiping God. Again. All of these people who are writing these psalms, who are worshiping, understand that God is everywhere and that they can pray from their own homes. They, they totally they understand this and they do they it. They do pray from their own I mean, homes. At least we have examples yeah. in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament everywhere. But there is still the recognized necessity and rightly, as you say, privilege of worshiping God in his place that he has designated. Now, of course, things do change in the New Testament, and that's important for us to acknowledge. We, do, we, aren't, we aren't limited to one spot, but it's important to realize that in the New Testament, the, the idea is that the people of God are the temple of God, which means that when the people of God meet specifically to worship God on the Lord's Day, that had the same privileges and even greater privileges than the temple had. Mm-hmm. So it's not simply that it goes from a place to everyone's heart individually, although that, that is important. There is. Um, it, it goes from a place to yeah. lots of places. Exactly. You know, where, where God's people gather together. Exactly. It, it's, it's like it's God's people now that constitute the temple. So when God's people gather together to worship, the privileges of the temple which were, I'll even put it this way, which were only symbolically shown forth in the temple, the, the reality of those privileges are enjoyed by the people of God worship as they worship in advance of the day when Christ comes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so important for us to, 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 to get that. You know, the fact that God is everywhere is obviously a theological truth that, that all Christians would acknowledge, I hope, oh, yeah. anyway. But... The implication from that, that therefore I can do whatever I want, wherever I want in terms of worship, is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Old Testament notion of worship and how it's fulfilled in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So obviously we, we, we're going to explore these things a lot more in, in our conference in, uh, on Saturday. What, what one thing would you hope that people would get out of this conference? What would you hope that they'd leave having or having learned? To love the church. To love the church. Yes. Yeah. To love the church, not for its own sake, but for the sake of Christ. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to gather. It's not an either or. It's not either that we love the church or we love. We love the church because we love Christ. And we find Christ within the church, meaning the gathered people of God. And I'm not merely speaking, obviously the church is much bigger than the weekly worship, but certainly not less than that. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we learn to love the, the church, both in its worship and in the sort of expressions of those worship uh, of that worship which we do on a daily basis, which is bringing glory to God in all we do, if we learn to love the church, I think we will learn more and more to love Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, of course, to equate Christ with the church. That that That's not 
what I'm saying, but Christ is the head and the church is his body. Mm-hmm. There is a deep and powerful union and connection between Christ and his body. And it's a, that's an important metaphor because Christ isn't just the head and he has random bits connected to him. It's the body uh, over which he is head and the body which has to work together and be united in order for it to function properly. So I think that the church and learning to love the church as the united people of God is is what I, I think I would love for people to get out of the conference. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I would like people to grasp is perhaps a a reclamation of this idea that the church and her presence in history is important. The fact that she is visible in the world you know, we, we get so used to thinking uh, that whatever what happens in history is not very important or what happens in our bodies is not very important. Actually, the real thing, the real pure thing is the thing that happens, you know, in the realm of ideas and the sort of uh, the spiritual realm that we don't really define. And it's not really got anything to do with what happens down here, but we sort of escape there for a little bit on a Sunday. Um, but really, all the descriptions in the Bible of the church apply to the church as she is in the world, in history. Um, And I would love for people to regain a sense of the importance of the church existing visibly in the world Um, uh, and, and existing within, within history, Um, not just as a temporary escape every week, but as, as the bride of Christ, as as the household of God, as the pillar and buttress of the truth to the world, um, uh, I think I think regaining a sense of that is, uh, I think it's really important for the modern church to do, uh, and that's what I hope that, that this conference will help to how to achieve that's a yeah, that's a that's a great point it's a great point what you make about how um how often is we think about f- the the real importance of things being that which is invisible or ideal or that there's a real truth in that in the sense that because the church operates or ought to operate in a way that's contrary to the normal rulers of this mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there will be a sort of foolishness to the church in that respect where people won't see it yeah. because they don't understand the power of Christ and especially the resurrection power of Christ. But you see, the problem is that so often we misunderstand that sort of invisibility for the absolute invisibility of platonic ideas. Yes. Yeah. And we think that, oh, the church is an invisible thing in the sense that um, it ought not to have a public face. It ought not to have a visibility within the culture. But the invisibility of the church has to do with the spiritual blindness of those who act and operate according to the principles yeah. of this age. So, I mean, when Paul talks about let us not focus on the things that are seen but are unseen, he's not talking about ideas. He's not saying let us focus on ideals and, and, and sort of uh, principles and, that, and that's sort of thing as necessary as those things are I'm not saying that those things aren't necessary but that's not what he's talking about he's talking about what will become clear in the new covenant as that whole flow of 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 teaches us what is not visible now exactly what is not visible now because the kingdom of darkness is blind to it yes 
That's right. Yeah. Not because it's a pure idea. No. Um, that exists no. maybe somewhere. And, and when the church is healthy throughout the, it acts as leaven, which cannot be seen, but has a serious, serious effect. On the whole loaf. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that, that whole loaf is not just the church. No, no it's, it's, it's the whole world. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so it's a beautiful analogy that Christ himself uses and that Paul uses and that's basically, uh, throughout. And it's a beautiful analogy because its operation cannot be seen, but the effects of its operation are seen everywhere. And again, it's not that it cannot be seen in the sense that it's utterly invisible, but it's utterly invisible for those who do not have eyes to see it. And um, but its effect cannot cannot be denied. No. And so I, I think we need to be clear on that idea. It's a very important clarity. It's very important on the one hand to reject this sort of Gnostic or Platonic separation between mm-hmm. ideas and matter and to think, oh, my body or anything that happens in history or anything that ha- that is related to this world of matter is useless. And then the real thing is the ideas. We have to reject that. But we also have to reject this idea that the church can operate in the way of th- that the world sees uh, in terms of the principles of this age, in terms of the way power normally works in this world. The church doesn't operate according to those principles and therefore there is an invisibility to the church for those who don't have eyes to see. Mm-hmm. And that's what's stressed when Paul talks about the distinction between what is seen and unseen. What is unseen now and will be made manifest on the last day and even before then mm-hmm. as we see the effects mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think after all this all of our listeners are very excited to come to the uh, to the conference um, on Saturday. Very excited. I, I imagine that as soon as this goes up, I'll have a flurry of sign-ups and uh, maybe I'll have to hold people back and say, no, sorry, the, the, the building is completely full. Um, oh God. <laughs> um, but for those who are still on the fence, what can they expect from the day? What are we... Well, I, do? I think um, in terms of the, the way the, con- the conference will actually um, operate, I think we'll have two plenary sessions. I will be speaking at one. You'll be speaking at the other. Um, and we'll have workshops, um, which will break down. You have a choice of one mm-hmm. or the other. One has to do with uh, the church as a community. The other one has to do with um, basically music and psalmody. Or in yeah, well, how, we use, the, how, we use, the, how we use songs yeah. in, in, in the worship service. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And um, those two uh, plenary sessions, at least I can speak to the one I'm uh, going to speak on. It's going to be about worship and some of the ideas that I already expressed about uh, the nature and value of the presence of God within worship and how worship is not simply a lecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's not simply about teaching. Of course, teaching goes on within worship. It's one of the components of it, but it's not simply about teaching. There's more than that. This is why the sacraments play such a fundamental role within worship. This is why we sing. I mean, uh, this is why we do so much more in worship than just simply hear a lecture. It's not just a meeting house where we get together to speak about ideas or to think about certain things. The living God is meeting us. And so that is what my... Um, uh, again, that's a very small summary of it. Uh, but I want to give the biblical background, the biblical sort of foundation mm-hmm. uh, to that and talk about its practical implications. That's mm-hmm. what I will deal with uh, mm-hmm. in my in my talk. How about you, Dave? What do you what do you think? Yeah, so I'm, I'll, I'll open the day with uh, a, a plenary talk. Just answering the question, what is the church? As we've talked a little bit about today, it's, it's a question that is... Um, 
<laughs> Zach's been uh, squeaking on his chair, and uh, I'm gonna make sure you I'm, blame me on that I'm, one. I'm, I'm, I'm going sure blame him, uh, and I'm do, not going to blame as well. <laughs> no, no, do blame goes to me. I admit it. Yeah, it's yeah, my Zach, fault. That was that was Zach squeaking on his chair. Um, um, I'm going to be doing a talk on what is the church. Uh, a question that, as we've as we've talked a little bit about it, is unclear for most of us. It certainly has been unclear for me for a long period of my Christian life and is only really starting to become clear in significant ways over the last few years. Um, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to clear some of that up. Um, and then a couple of, uh, as you mentioned, we mentioned the workshops, haven't we? Yeah. We don't need to go um, back into those. And we'll end the day with a Q&A session. So anyone who's been leading some some teaching will be, uh, will be on a panel and you can uh, bring questions and ask us, and we'll try and give coherent answers, probably to varying levels of success, I'd imagine. But we'll we'll do our best. I think that's about all from us for this episode. It'd be great to hear what you liked about this kind of format of things. We're still trying to work out what format of teaching works well for people, what what's helpful. Um, so please give us give us your feedback if you've ended up listening this far. If you've got to the end, well done. Um, but other than that, hopefully we'll see you this Saturday at the conference. If not, see you soon. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.